Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw audio experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. In my newest podcast episode, I'll provide the part two on the Muscle Farm saga that I mentioned in prior content. But before we get started, I would love if you took 51 seconds out of your day to leave a rating or review on whichever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. This helps me out immensely in terms of extending the reach of my podcast, but more importantly, allows me to make improvements based on your feedback. Thank you again. Now enjoy my newest podcast episode. Muscle Farm is selling a portfolio of its intellectual property at public auction. But what does this all actually mean to the global sports nutrition brand? If you watched or listened to my last content about the kind of not yet officially announced new CEO at Muscle Farm, I unfortunately had to leave you on this sort of cliffhanger because for this content, I wanted to keep this really kind of short and sweet because there's going to be a part two. I've been sitting on some information for days, but for ethical reasons, I'm not going to disclose it until I see public mentions. I'm not that guy. There's really no incentive for me to do that. So don't ding me for not sharing it yet. I promise when I do see public mentions, I will give my perspective while I was alerted about the Muscle Farm IP portfolio sale on the morning of December 1st, it wasn't really my place to break the news publicly. There are a few reasons why I decided that. Firstly, and maybe most importantly, I got my accounting degree and finance MBA during the time of WorldCom and Enron accounting scandals, plus the passing of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. Business ethics case study after business ethics case study was really seared into my brain during those years, and I take all of that stuff extremely seriously. This has caused a level of risk aversion, especially when it comes to content creation, which most of you kind of all know that is not my profession. But speaking of my profession, that plays a role into all of this as well, because loose lips sink ships. Now, I might not have wartime enemies that would make unguarded talk highly useful. I do recognize my relationship with Muscle Farm and its external stakeholders. They have really like many layers like an onion. I've mentioned this over and over already, but I was employed by Muscle Farm during the early 2010s, kind of golden years, when the sports nutrition brand was in its hyper growth phase. Additionally, you can see with a simple YouTube search, that I've created many pieces of content where I provide insights on the public filings and news of Muscle Farm. These two onion layers combined have attracted a small but loud group of Muscle Farm retail investors that follow me. And beyond those layers, my decade-long strategy consulting experience and market-validated strategic insights provided in this content creation that's focused in and around the supplement industry has built strong credibility and trust with a wide range of high-level executives. That's not me bragging, but giving details for context because it's likely some of my audience could be stakeholders bidding in this public auction. That being said, I'm not egotistical enough to think my measly content can move markets, but I don't even want to leave a shred of doubt that I either inflated or even worse, deflated the value of Muscle Farm's IP portfolio. So now you can understand my reasoning for the delayed timing of this content being after the public auction has closed. 
But let's get to the important stuff now, like why Muscle Farm is selling a collection of its intellectual property, what IP was up for sale, and what are some paths for Muscle Farm after this public auction? We can kind of start with the why Muscle Farm has been unprofitable for pretty much all of its 13-year existence. That means to both initially fuel growth in those early days when I was there and also to keep the struggling business running in the latter years, Muscle Farm has been forced to remedy its negative cash flow situation by injecting outside capital into the company. That's been done in a multitude of ways over the years, and those details are really too dense and dry for this content creation. What's important, though, is the October 2021 private offering of securities. This is just my opinion, but it seems that timing-wise, it really makes sense that Muscle Farm needed additional funds for its go-to-market on the new energy drinks. As a last resort, the issuer of the private securities required Muscle Farm to secure it by collateral. Now, there's some amendments and restatements and a lot of details in various 8K reports over the last six months in regards to this private offering of securities. But in an 8K report filed in June of 2022 with the SEC, you can see that the senior secured notes mature on December 10th of 2022. Additionally, with the things that I kind of mentioned in the last content about their key customer risk happening, Muscle Farm was not going to be able to meet the terms of the debt and the debt issuer would be entitled to do with what they please with that collateral. That provides the reason for the public auction of the Muscle Farm IP assets, but what is actually being sold? Now, Metis Partners, this is not the debt holder, by the way, just one of the two IP firms that vetted the potential bidders, sent marketing materials to a wide range of industry contacts and associated investment companies that might be interested in purchasing this. In those marketing materials, it states the IP portfolio does include all trademarks from Muscle Farm and its sister brand, Fitness. These also include a ton of like product names and taglines. And the United States Patent and Trademark Office has a search tool that will tell you everything if you're really curious about the laundry list of Muscle Farm intellectual property or really any company actually. Beyond the trademarks though, the IP assets include websites, Amazon listings, and the various social media accounts. This is really a hodgepodge of short-term value, long-term opportunity, and requirement of a lot of work. It will take the right person slash company slash team to really extract it all to its largest potential. Finally, included is some product formulation and trade secret elements. I really have no idea if Muscle Farm owns all of its flavor systems and product formulas from day one, or if contract manufacturers maybe held some of that information, which is really common in the supplement industry. But if some of the most important stuff is there, it's again valuable to the right person, company, and team. For this last piece of the content, I wanna talk about maybe a few predictable paths for Muscle Farm after this public auction. Now, I guess I shouldn't use the word predictable because there's really way too many unknowns at Muscle Farm right now. This is mainly because in August 2022, 8K stated that the Muscle Farm Board of Directors, in consultation with its management team, determined that previously issued financial statements that includes the 2021 10K and the 2022 first quarter 10Q 
should no longer be relied upon due to the errors in those financial statements. Now, the error came up during the preparation of its 2022 second quarter 10Q, where certain customer credit memos had not been timely approved or recorded. As a result of its analysis of these kind of credit memos, Muscle Farm believes that revenue was overstated by as much as $1 million in the year ending December 31st of 2021. Plus, there's probably some amount in the quarter ended March 31st of 2022. Since it seems isolated to this area, the restatement should have been completed in a reasonable time, but Muscle Farm has had a great deal of employee turnover at the CFO level in these last six months. So needless to say, things are a bit foggy right now for the sports nutrition brand. But here's a shot in the dark on where I think things could end up. First, and maybe most importantly, maybe the most obvious, the company has had a going concern risk placed on it from outside auditors forever ago, and that means bankruptcy is very much a possibility. But let's not be negative here. A preferable statement would be that the IP portfolio purchaser is a competitor of Muscle Farm or industry supplier. I think that's a better result than, say, a private equity firm buying it. A bolt-on acquisition or a vertical integration mergers and acquisition move provides strategic value if they choose to exercise it. They could lease back the IP to Muscle Farm, collect payments, and let the new CEO, Eric Hillman, operate without interference. What's more likely, though, is that the IP portfolio purchaser helps Muscle Farm at one level or another because that IP holder wants the value of that intellectual property to increase. There are other paths that include negotiating to buy the remaining collateral from the debt holder, but this strategic game theory would be a bit like me throwing spaghetti against a wall based on the unknown severely outweighing the limited public information available. I'm likely going to need a part three after the buyer is hopefully disclosed or maybe some new news comes out, but until then, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly. 